welcome back to Mies on Smash, the weekly podcast where we break the story for the Super Smash Brothers cinematic universe with unique writers and comedians, one game at a time. I am your co-host, Simon Lewis on. And I'm your other co-host, Pete Simmons-Hayes. Pete, what do love and war have in common? People get hurt. People do get hurt. People get hurt, Simon. They're both they're both battlefields, and and uh, they're both the the prime settings of the Fire Emblem series. <laughs> That's maybe my my weakest intro so far. <laughs> no, I, I was really vibing. I I really think I should go back and just say love is a battlefield, so you'll feel really smart like setting that up. But like, I kind of like that people get hurt. Like I don't know. Okay, it's thanks. True. You know, it's you true. Know, it's true. It's true. I've been hurt. You've been hurt. It's fine. But let's talk about, for a sec, we're doing Fire Emblem. And most of the time, when we assign writers, we can assign it willy-nilly. Like, hey, you want to do a Pac-Man? Write a Pac-Man for us. It's fine. You can't do that with Fire Emblem. Yeah. It's one of, Fire Emblem is one of the couple of franchises represented in Super Smash Brothers that has incredibly deep lore and dozens of characters... And it's impossible to just hand it off to someone who has never heard of the games before. And we know this because we tried once. This wasn't actually originally supposed to be the first Fire Emblem episode. Uh, There was going to be a Fire Emblem episode before this. And the person we had assigned to that had never heard of Fire Emblem before. And it just, it it, it was, it was too inaccessible, which we totally understand. I mean, like no, no, no sweat on his part. Like, we totally understand. But, you know, it's, it's a couple franchises are like that. I think Fire Emblem, Final Fantasy, Xenoblade, like, really hard. What the fuck were we thinking, giving a 45-year-old man a JRPG to adapt? A, are a you kidding me? JRPG. He has a job! We, he has responsibilities! Him, and we gave him one of the ones that never got an American release. So he had no <laughs> way of playing it. He was reading <laughs> Japanese wikis! Right. For us, Fire yeah. Emblem has a, a storied history in sort of the JRPG, uh, tactical RPG genre. It's sort of Nintendo's flagship franchise in that genre. And for a long time, it never got an American release. It, the first, I think, seven or eight games were only ever released exclusively in Japan until 2002, I want to say, 2003, Something 2004. Like yeah, and uh, when Fire Emblem, the Blazing Blade, it was just called Fire Emblem here, came to the Game Boy Advance in America. And since then, most of them have gotten American releases. And with their inclusion in Smash Brothers, they've just sort of steadily gotten more and more successful and grown to more and more prominence, leading to the most recent entry in the series, which is Fire Emblem Three Houses on the Nintendo Switch, which is right. what we're talking about specifically today. Right. So Fire Emblem is one of those, I think it's one of the first games in Nintendo's lineup that was affected by this thing that we dubbed the Smash Effect, where it's a series that's been around that was kind of like a little kept secret by the weebs where, you know, they kind of had a sense of pride that only they knew about it. But because it was included in Smash Brothers, when Fire Emblem Awakening launched on the 3DS, it just blew up in the West. Americans Mm -hmm. just were playing the shit out of it. And it kind of changed... I think it kind of changed Nintendo's view of what Smash Brothers could be as a marketing tool. And now we see just a... Now there's like eight 
Fire Emblem characters. Eight Fire Emblem Brothers. characters, and we've got an ARMS character. We got a Xenoblade Chronicles 2 characters. More and more since then, we get more and more characters where it's like, you're trying to sell me something, aren't you? <laughs> um, which is fine. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I think Smash Brothers and Sakurai catch a lot of slack for the amount of Fire Emblem characters they have on the roster. But here's the thing, is that with Fire Emblem Awakening, Fire Emblem Fates, and Fire Emblem Three Houses, the three Fire Emblem games that were released in the last decade, those are all masterpieces. They're, they're, sure. three of the, they're three of the best games that Nintendo has put out in the last decade. And so I, I kind of think, you know, is it weird that Fire Emblem Awakening has three different characters in Smash Brothers? Yes, but also well-deserved. And just to go back to like how hard it is to adapt this, I mean, it's not just that it's a non-linear story with like, what, not even just three different endings. I feel like 10 different endings just because there's like choices within those first choices you make. There's that to consider. And there's also so many characters and the way Fire Emblem works is you can kind of choose which relationships you developed within that story. So now it's kind of up to this writer to like, they kind of have to choose their path. And that's really hard because some people might not agree with that uh, just because everyone has sort of a different experience with the game. So like, what do you do with that information to make a story that sort of resonates with like a larger audience? It's a good question. It's a, it's a tough question that I don't think many professional writers have had to tackle before because there are few pieces of media that have been that are constructed that way that that get adapted you know i think video games are not really widely adapted in hollywood yet they're kind of about to be there's we're sort of on the precipice of that um but you don't have like comic books coming out with like five different endings that writers have to choose and like fans are going to be upset if you don't choose the one that like they chose when they read the comic book you know right. so it's it's it, it'll be interesting to see how our writer today tries to please everyone um, in, in a situation in which you probably cannot please everyone. <laughs> and that's why the writer we have today is someone we think has a passion for Fire and Three Houses. And I think it's the game's it's in very good hands. Let's introduce her, shall we? Choose your character. Caroline Glenn has been writing since she became literate. A recent graduate of Emerson College, she double majored in playwriting and screenwriting. She has worked as a writer's PA on several TV shows, and in her free time, she enjoys writing socialist surrealist recaps of The Bachelor franchise, volunteering, and jigsaw puzzles. Here's Caroline. Hello, thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Glad to have you. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I understand that you have multiple playthroughs of Fire Emblem Three Houses logged. I do. I, I played I played the three houses. I didn't play the church path because that seemed boring and I didn't like the church. But other than that, I played the other ones. Yeah, Rhea sucks. It was a long mm. So walk us through. When, on your first playthrough, in the game, you, you're presented with a couple different options. You're, you're presented with the option to choose from three houses, hence Fire Emblem, three houses. But it, you get the the Black Eagles, the, help me out, Golden Deer, and then the... The Blue Lions. Blue Lions. Yeah. Was Golden Deer correct, or did I... Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, so I um, I hate video games, uh, famously. <laughs> they, really, they really stress me out um, and just give me a ton of anxiety. And I think last November, I Googled, like, 
video games where you can like be friends with the characters but then there's some also like strategy stuff and i found fire emblem and i wanted to try it and really um i didn't go off of which house might be the most engaging or difficult i kind of chose like which leader was the hottest to me so mm -hmm. i went with golden deer that i went with them first i actually enjoyed it um I did, it took me six hours to complete the tutorial level because <laughs> like um, I didn't understand what was going on. Caroline, I don't know if you remember, but the last video game I played with you was around two years ago. And I think it went so badly, we didn't talk to each other for two days. Do you remember what game that was? Yeah, we, I think you cried. I think I cried, to be honest. It was really it was uncomfortable. We were playing, we played DuckTales. I, I wanted to share, she like was showing me a bunch of movies she loved. And I'm like, I want to share something I love with you, Caroline. So I sat her down on the floor and we played DuckTales. And we, I, she was like playing the tutorial level and she couldn't get the tutorial, she couldn't beat the tutorial boss, which you can't lose to. You can't physically die in the tutorial. But she got so frustrated that we just, just fought. For whatever reason, I can't, like hand-eye coordination, something didn't click. And for this as well, it didn't work. But then when it did click, I was like, oh, this is like chess, this is really fun. Reach for my hand, I'll soar away into the dawn. Oh, I wish I could stay here and cherish halls in peaceful days. I fear the edge of dawn, knowing time betrays. It's interesting hearing that description of, of your first experience with Fire Emblem because I think you really got at the heart of what Fire Emblem is to, to Pete and I, and that it is basically chess, but it is fueled by horniness. horniness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, horny chess. Absolutely. It's horny chess, <laughs> where I think most people playing Fire Emblem probably pick their house based off of some level of attraction to whoever was in the houses, because that's just how the games work. Like the games, right. the Fire Emblem games, they're all so horny. They're all so horny. But I, the more I played it, the more the characters are so well drawn. Mm -hmm. I didn't hate any of the houses. Like I, I played three of them. You know, it's interesting because like depending on what route you play, there will be a different villain. But I really, I think Edelgard is the villain in most of them. Uh, but when I played her route, I was like, oh no, she's she's wonderful. She's chilling. Um, she's maybe a, yeah, she's, she's maybe a little bit like, of a war criminal. Um, yeah, but also like she's kind of a Napoleon-like figure who just wants everyone to have an equal footing in her, yeah. her new. I think she's yeah. certainly she's certainly an idealist, and I I believe in a lot of the things she said. But she she definitely kills kids. But they all kill For kids. Sure. They all kill kids. It's Wait, war. Like, when did she kill kids? She's, the, she's flame the flame. Yeah, she's the flame emperor. No, I know, but like she doesn't yeah. kill children. Well, yeah, she does. Because if you think about it, those are when she sets those mercenaries, like after not those mercenaries, when she sets those bandits after the students, like those are students. Well, and she's I mean, kids. No, oh, I thought you meant like children. Like those are teens. Those are oh, children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They're I guess. using like they're using those as like child soldiers. Like they right. Don't yeah. That's a good, I guess that's true. They are. She kills child soldiers. Yeah. Well, like the church has been using them as so I don't know. I the really church is Rhea definitely the like church. Lady Rhea and the church. They're the clear, obvious villains. Like scumbags. I'd, I'd be interested to play the church path just to see how that goes. But like, yeah. What's funny 
is like I think a lot of people play the blue lions route first and like Rhea is framed as this like good person because she sides with with Dimitri obviously and I played golden deer first and like Rhea's framed as like sketchy as fuck so like immediately it was like she's weird like I don't like her yeah. and like you never change so I think it really depends on like what your first route is and that kind of frames the rest mm. of the I'm yeah. definitely of the persuasion that if you play the church route, you're a cop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100%. Because it's just the teachers in the school, which is so boring. Right. Yeah. And you can get all the teachers on your side before the split anyway. So it's like, it's not, you can still have access to those characters. And that fucking annoying kid, whatever his name is. Cis- you know, the little. Oh, yeah. The one, I the to one who like, doesn't want to talk to you. Direct, but that's not right. Cyrus? <laughs> Cyril, 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 yeah, Cyril, Cyril. That's right. Yeah. Cyril. yeah. <laughs> I was, I took great pleasure in killing him. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad. Like he was so annoying. Yeah. Caroline, this is a really big game. Where did you start when trying to like make this into a two-hour film? Um. So I had an I had the idea first, and then kind of shaped the game to fit the idea. Because thematically, there were a lot of similarities between the game and something else that I recognized. And then just started working out from there. Obviously, it would be impossible. Like, I think I think the game could make a really cool, like, Game of Thrones type TV show. But, like, that would be its own extended universe. And I don't think that's what you guys are going for. So I did, like, a a movie. Yeah. I have, I have I have actually a couple more questions about because you're such a three houses expert. So of of the three paths that you played, which one was your favorite? Oh God, I don't know. I think I think Edelgard's probably would have been my favorite if it was longer. It it's kind of shorter. It's like a lot shorter than the other ones, and it feels like they kind of gave up towards the end. And I was like, that's a bummer. Like her hers is really cool. Hmm. Um, so I'd say hers, because um, it's really emotional and different than the other three, I think. Yeah. That's interesting. I've only I've only played the Black Eagles Edelgard one, and I didn't realize it was shorter than the other one. So I feel like I'll have to go back and, and try one of the other ones. Who do you, or who have who you, you S-ranked? Yeah, who have you S-ranked with? Who do you before? fuck? Yeah. Uh, Claude. 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 He's yeah. hot. He's hot. He's the, <laughs> he is yeah. the CW choice. <laughs> and do you know i feel like the cw choice would be the dude with the with the red hair oh sylvain yeah yeah oh. yeah there's like so many red-haired guys there's ferdinand the is who you're thinking of Pete. yeah but... i thought that they were the same person for the longest time <laughs> well sylvain's whole character trait is that he he fucks what's great about um being able to um have just like have relations with both genders like and you know be um is that when you're introduced to every character in the game, they all drop a hint that they could be into you. Like guys and girls are just like. <laughs> in, the, in the dance, you know that weird like dance cut scene? Mm-hmm. Like no matter what gender you are or house you're in, Claude will always like dance with you and extend a hand. Yeah. yeah, and everyone's like trying to protect you. They're like, hey, they're too hot for this. Lead them out of your business. And, and you're like, huh? Um, it's awesome. <laughs> Caroline, do you um, choose male or female Byleth? I choose female. I never liked Byleth very much. I thought they were a really boring character. I mean, I know that they're supposed to be because it's a self-insert, but like, God, so boring. <laughs> I think Golden Deer has the 
had my favorite cast of characters. Um, all of them had really emotional backstories that were really cool to uncover. This is going to sound weird. I have a very intense memory of <laughs> when the QAnon people were storming the Capitol. <laughs> and I like, was so stressed watching the news. And so I just took out Fire Emblem on my Switch and was just like playing a battle while like looking up and watching like the Viking dude shit in Nancy Pelosi's desk. <laughs> so um, when you watched yeah. the, 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 the <laughs> Capitol riot, were you like on the Edelgard route, just like storming like the church capitol? <laughs> <laughs> Shitting on Rhea's desk? No. <laughs> okay, actually this applies to what I've written in my, in my <laughs> treatment. Okay, so I can't maybe we should get started then. Should we, uh, Simon, should we uh, break, uh, break the story? Let's break, break the, story. the story. All right, yeah. let's break the story. Break the story. I just want to start with a quick disclaimer. The views reflected of what allegedly took place allegedly on Friday, November 22nd, 1963, allegedly in this treatment should not be taken as fact, even though this is 100% how it happened, allegedly. So we open on a handsome man in an open-top convertible, beaming smile mile full solid head of net hair the kind of hair a woman could run her hands through next to him a woman who has run her hands through the hair probably i can't guarantee that they're waving to crowds of admirers and we realize they're just one of many cars in a motorcade this man as we know is john f kennedy <laughs> and the car is turning onto elm street and then we hear three gunshots in quick succession bang 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 i don't know why both of you are covering your faces with your hands. Um, this is a really emotional story that speaks to where we are in America. Three shots and Kennedy falls. Ouchie, he cries. I assume he said that. I don't know. I wasn't there. There's lots of blood. We look out over the crowd, see the iconic figures from the assassination lore, like the guy with the umbrella and the unidentified man with the badge. And what's that? Oh, no. A figure cloaked in shadow? Disappearing into the frenzy before we can get a good look. Cut to Walter Cronkite's CBS News report announcing Kennedy's death. Here is a bulletin from CBS News. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. It's being watched on a grainy TV by a shaggy head with blue hair. The kind of hair a woman could run her hand through. We do not see the face, but we can see that she's holding a giant book that says reason on it. She looks out the window and sees a cat stuck in a tree. She flicks her wrist and the cat magically flies to the ground. Now that she has saved the cat, she dials a number on a rotary phone. Someone answers on the other line. Yes, they say. It's done, she answers. He's dead. And then the opening, it cuts to opening credits and it's archive footage of the Zapruder film set to Smooth Criminal by Michael Jackson. Anyone have any questions before we proceed? No, that's all pretty clear cut, Caroline. <laughs> yeah, that's exact, that's that's pretty beat for beat how Fire Emblem Three Houses opens up, so that's I'm, pretty standard. I'm like no hearing the Fire Emblem horns like over fucking JFK's like head just like spilling over. <laughs> Fucking damn it. Caroline, I texted you this morning asking if this was gonna be a shit post or not. And it's not a shit post. I wrote a fucking entire treatment. <laughs> I appreciate that you explicitly said that you're just doing the save the cat. 
saves us a lot of time. We know what those characters are all about. That's the only time I did. <laughs> <laughs> what inspired me was I had this in intense memory of of playing it during the Capitol insurrection, <laughs> and I was like, oh, like QAnon people, like they believe like that crazy theory that like the shadow government is bleeding children. <laughs> you know what's weird? Fire Emblem also has a shadow government. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's real. So there's kind of a a weird similarity there. So, okay. Credits. We're back. Now we're in Foblin. It looks just like the game, except it's three-dimensional. Uh, three-dimensional. So in this world, like, it's the same, like, 1960s Earth. But Foblin is a country. It's on, like, an island, so it's not part of a specific continent. They're kind of like Wakanda in that they don't engage in any world wars. They're completely isolationist. Okay, question. Yes. <laughs> so, JFK... Is JFK still the president of the United States? Or is yes. he- Okay, so he was not assassinated in Foglin. This is separate from everything else. He was assassinated in Dallas as he- Right. Was in a I think, I think Caroline, okay. is, Caroline is saying that, that Foglin is like a land somewhere like in the middle of the Atlantic or Pacific that just exists on- It's like, yeah, it's like Wakanda or Latveria where it's just, it's its own country. Sokovia, yeah. Okay. It still uses magic. It's still like the same as the game, but no one else in the world like really accesses to it. Cool. Access. Gotcha. It. Do they like know it exists, or is it so secret that like they just have never heard of this place? Like, could we be living in the world where Fodland exists? Like, we just don't know about it because of magic and stuff. Or do they know of a place called Fodland? They just don't really know much about mostly, it. Mostly, mostly, no one knows about it except like top government leaders. Cool. So, okay. cool. Hot people. Yeah. Cool. So, we cut to Edelgard. She has long blonde hair, violet eyes. She's very much like a manic, like she's like a, you know, like the ideal woman. She's like a Daenerys Targaryen, like ripoff kind of. This is pre-time jump, so she's in the Academy days still. In the game, she's secretly this being called the Flame Emperor, which is essentially like a masked dude who appears at random battles in the game and is just like, I'm gonna kill you. Uh, <laughs> right? Like that's kind yeah, of Yeah, basically. It's suggested right. that he's killing kids. She's killing kids, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh Hubert appears, he's her retainer, and he's like, JFK just got assassinated. And she's like, oh no, he was gonna pull his troops out of Vietnam to help us and put US support behind the Adrestian Empire. And she's like does that mean that someone knows that she has a secret plan to start a war with the church? Like, she needs his manpower to help her. Is someone expecting them? And Hubert's like, no, this guy named Lee Harvey Oswald just got arrested for his murder. And Edelgard doesn't believe it because it just seems too convenient. But, like, what proof do they have? But just then, a messenger arrives. And there's some news because less than two days after his arrest, Lee Harvey Oswald has been murdered by Jack Ruby. And then I wrote, news to Fodlin travels very slowly, so they get it in, like, bursts. Mm -hmm. So it was just, like, bursts of, like, five days of information. So Edelgard decides to postpone their invasion. They lack manpower and knowledge of the enemy. She's really sad, but ultimately she doesn't have a choice. And then we cut to ten months later. 
We find Edelgard exhausted, dark circles around her eyes. She hasn't slept in weeks. She's bedraggled. An open copy of the Warren Commission is open on her lap, and she's just, she's just been through it. None of it makes sense. What is what the magic bullet? Why doesn't George H.W. Bush remember where he was the day Kennedy was assassinated? Edelgard is a woman consumed. She pledged her reign would stop injustice, and that has to begin today. Hubert, she says, we got to go to the United States and solve this ourselves. So Edelgard and Hubert steal a wyvern by nightfall. A wyvern is a dragon. I don't know why it's called a wyvern. Um, I think it's a dragon without it, arms. Not to get all dragony on on up in here. Oh, well, wyverns don't have art. That makes so much sense. <laughs> so the next morning, Dimitri and Claude wake up to discover Edelgard missing. They go to Rhea. So the next morning, Dimitri, who's the prince of the Blue Lions, and Claude, who is of Fargus, uh, Far- the kingdom of Fargus, right? Is an F, yeah. And Claude is Lester. Right, yeah, Claude is a lord. I remember I always liked Claude because the reason, the other reason why I chose Golden Deer was because there was no royalty in it. Like, Claude, like, they were just an alliance of lords. I was like, I appreciate that. Like, it's more equal. Um, Anyways, so they wake up and find Edelgard missing because they're the three leaders of the houses in the school. It's concerning. They don't know where she is to guide her students. So they go to Rhea. She has long green hair, the kind of hair a woman could run her hands through. And she's <laughs> and she's the leader of the church. That's correct. Rhea's like, well, I mean, where, when was the last time you saw her? And they're like, I mean, most recently she's just been really obsessed with the death of JFK. That's all we can really think. And Rhea's like, that, that is really concerning. I'll send out a search party. And then we go to the United States of America. Bald eagles, flags, barbecues, apple pie. Okay. Edelgard and Hubert arrive in Dallas with bright eyes, bushy tails, and a dog-eared copy of the 888-page Warren Report. Edelgard sends away her wyvern, and she and Hubert realize they are spectacularly overdressed. So they disguise themselves, and the first person they visit is Jean Hill, who is an assassination eyewitness and she says shots were fired from the grassy knoll. She's like, I saw someone running towards the railroad tracks, but no one else corroborated her statement. It was like the person had just run towards the railroad tracks and then vanished into thin air. And so then they go to the next person on their list, whose name is Rose Sheremy, and she's an addict and a sex worker. She claims she drove from Florida to Dallas with a woman who said she was going to kill Kennedy. And Edelgard's like, huh, did, did you get a name or any identifying features? And Rose is like, only that the woman had blue hair. And she thinks for a second. And then she's like, and she called herself something. She called herself the Ashen Demon? Blue hair? Hubert think that, thinks that's a clue. Because only people native to Fodland seem to have hair of like unnatural colors. And, but Edelgard's like, we're also in the midst of a countercultural revolution in America. <laughs> seems to have a lot of hippies around so it proves nothing (laughs) so they're kind of dejected from the day so they like are walking around dallas and they run into like a tribe of hippies and they're like hey you looking for who killed jfk michaela might know something 
and Edelgard's like, okay, well, what do you know? And the hippies are like, first, you got to take some LSD just to prove you aren't a cop. (laughs) This is definitely not the church route. (laughs) (laughs) What follows is is an intense LSD sequence where we see the Flame Emperor, we see all the members of the Black Eagle House, we see some of the ball that they, that's in the middle of the game. It's the, it's like the, it's like the ball from Harry Potter, but just the Fire Emblem version. We see Edelgard standing in the romance tower, whatever that thing's called. We can't see who she's romancing. Ooh. (laughs) Then they come to, and one of the hippies, Michaela, reveals that she did see a woman at the Kennedy assassination. And the woman, she could swear, she, she saw the woman make sparkles come out of her hands. And then the bullets seem to appear out of thin air. And Edelgard's like, that's magic. Someone used magic. And so that night, Edelgard and Hubert are in the commune. They're trying to fall asleep. Hubert has harbored feelings for Edelgard for forever, which is a really inappropriate employee-boss <laughs> relationship. And he tries to make a move, and she's like, Hubert, I can't do this. I have a mission that I can't, I can't look away from. And he's like, when will you allow yourself to be happy? And she's like, not until my goal is done. So the next morning, Edelgard and Hubert thank the hippies for their help. But then the hippie, one hippie's like, you know, like, Michaela's high, like, 90% of the time. Like, you really can't trust anything she says. Like, do you honestly think she saw someone with magic coming out of their hands? And Edelgard and Hubert are like, fuck. So then they go to Dealey Plaza. And they're on the street that Kennedy was killed on. And we intercut it with flashbacks of Kennedy's motorcade and death. And for a brief moment, she's just overcome with just like an intense wave of emotion. Because this is just like another person and just like a, a long line of people, like her parents, her father, that she's lost. And then she glances up at the window of the Texas School Book Depository, which is where the shot was allegedly taken. It would have been fired here, she says. And Hubert says, I have an idea. And you know that thing in the game where you can reverse time to undo your mistakes? Right. So he does that, the time reversal thing, and we see like holographs of the Kennedy assassination. So we watch in slow motion as like the car goes down the street and like the bullets come, like he gets shot. And then Edelgard's like, oh my God, there was a second gunman. And then suddenly they're ripped back to the present and like something's pushing them, Edelgard and Hubert go flying onto the grassy knoll. What the fuck? Edelgard and Hubert manage to get to their feet just as a magical ropey, ropey thing comes hurling out of nowhere at them. They duck out of the way, standing to face a mysterious figure wearing a fedora and a trench coat holding the sword of the creator. Edelgard hurls her throwing axe at them and then this just sick ass battle rages. I have a logistical question, though, about <laughs> the people of Fodland and their relationship with the rest of the world. The The people of Fodland, Edelgard and Hubert, who are visiting the rest of the world, is, is this their first time out of Fodland? Yes. How, what do they think of guns? Because they come from a world that either has not developed guns or has choosingly forsaken guns. 
And this story seems to revolve heavily, obviously revolves heavily around bullets and guns. What are their thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, no, that, that's a great, that's a great point. I initially had a note of like Edelgard being like, what's a gun earlier in the <laughs> outline. But, um, I, uh, but yeah, I think that they're horrified by, by guns, gun violence. That said, they do murder a lot of people on their own, so I don't think that they have much of a hill to stand Right, the Fodland is not above killing kids. They're just above guns. <laughs> <laughs> They'll still uh, slaughter children, but 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 not with guns. How barbaric. <laughs> we'll just use magic. <laughs> magic is just organic gun. <laughs> I want you to know that my entire search history is... <laughs> Kennedy assassination theories, and then Fire Emblem, <laughs> WikiLeaks. So far, um, we have Nazis being incorporated into the. We have Nazis. We have the JFK assassination, and we have the Obama presidency all mm. incorporated into this universe. The, what I mean, it, it makes sense that if the Smash Brothers existed in our universe, that they would have their little footprints all over history. Of course. So, to me, it just felt like. Like, the Smash Brothers universe needs an Oliver Stone-esque film. True. Mm. And and if who I think is behind this turns out to be behind this, that person is going to have an interesting relationship with at least one other Smash Brothers. Smash Brother that we're going to talk about in continuity, Pete. Okay, so the sword of the creator has just reached out. Shit's going down. Yeah, so Edelgard hurls her throwing axe at this person in a trench coat in a fedora, and then the sick-ass battle rages. Hubert's using his magic and authority, which is a skill that I knew nothing about until, like, my second playthrough of the game, and I was like, oh, like, you can make people do things for you. That's a fun fact. Anyways, so Edelgard and Hubert manage to narrowly escape. They're injured, but they're intact. And Edelgard is hopeful. Because this proves that they're onto something. Because someone, whoever killed Kennedy, this is far bigger than Lee Harvey Oswald. So we're back in Fodlin. Rhea demands an update on Edelgard's whereabouts. It's been days and she's nowhere to be found. So Sedith, who's like an advisor, like senior counselor to the church. Total ass kisser. Yeah, he's got like like long green hair, like the kind of hair like a woman could run her hands through. <laughs> so he brings her a copy of a Life magazine, you know, the, like the old 60s Life magazines. And it says something like, like new hippie culture. And on the front is the commune that Edelgard and Hubert were in. And in the background are unmistakably, like you can see their faces, Edelgard and Hubert just tripping on acid. And it, Ray is like, there they are. So then we're back, we're back with Edelgard and Hubert, and they're in a dingy motel room. And they're trying to fall asleep. And Edelgard suddenly gets, like, holographic vision from those who slither in the dark. Now, to those of you who don't know, those who slither in the dark are essentially uh, a shadow government of, like, mole people that cut open children and perform experiments on them. Is that like a simple explanation? I'd say yeah. so. Picture a yeah. JRPG final boss with like pale skin, red eyes, and veins, and like that's pretty much all of them. Yeah. And they 
tortured Edelgard when she is a kid, when she was a kid, which is part of the reason why she wants to fight against the church and abolish the crest system, which is essentially like a bullshit system of, of nobility. She's temporarily allied herself with them because she needs their support in troops. So they're like, where the fuck are you? We need the Flame Emperor back in Fodlin. We got battles to fight. And she's like, I'll be back as soon as I can. And they're like, as soon as you can isn't good enough. We need you now. But she hangs up their like telepathic phone call signal, whatever, because she can't talk anymore. Because she's devastated. Because she hates herself. Because Kennedy... If Kennedy hadn't died, she wouldn't have had to make the deal with them. She would have had... American troops but now she's literally made a deal with the devil the people who bled her as a child and it's breaking her soul Hubert's like again I don't want you to carry this burden alone and she's like yes I do because when I ask for help look what happens and she points to the copy of the Warren Commission <laughs> um, innocent people get that. hurt <laughs> <laughs> America's president dies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're never going to make it to the moon, Hubert. Hubert's like, how are we going to find out who killed him? The U.S. government couldn't do it. It's like a needle in a haystack. We can't do this in a matter of days. And Edelsgaard's like, how do we know that the U.S. government even tried? And then there's a knock at the door. Someone slips a note underneath. It reads, Meet me at this address at 2 p.m. tomorrow if you want to know the truth. The future of Fodlin is in your hands. What? The next, the next day, Edelgard and Hubert have a quick lunch before they're supposed to meet the person. They drink tea because that's a fun shout-out to the game. <laughs> yeah. Then a figure sits down next to them, orders a bourbon. Neat. Edelgard immediately notices her violet eyes, which previously... Rose had, had noted the figure's violet eyes. But when the person takes off her hat, her hair isn't blue, it's green. She introduces herself as Byleth. She's a professor at the academy and she's come to take them home at Rhea's instruction. Because the US isn't safe for an Adrestian princess, Edelgard's like, fuck, not yet. She looks at Hubert and he gives her the smallest nod. Edelgard's like, can I use the bathroom, please? Just give me one second. So she runs to the bathroom and climbs the window. She can't go back. Not yet. Not without the truth. Not until she gets answers. Edelgard runs to the address on the note. It's across town and it's already almost 2 p.m. She's going to be late. She finally makes it to the park bench, but it's 2.03. She's not. She's too late. Meanwhile, Hubert and Byleth sit at the table waiting for Edelgard, who's been taking the world's longest shit. <laughs> Hubert drops his fork and reaches for it under the table, only to notice this freaking sword of the creator attached to her belt and her weird tights. Holy shit! Hubert picks the fork up and then he locks eyes with Byleth. Byleth knows that he knows. Back to Edelgard, a shadowy figure sits down beside her. Oh my god, it's Michaela, the strung out hippie. She's like, your country isn't the only one with a shadow government experimenting on children. I was a child in MK Ultra. Edelgard wants to know who killed Kennedy. You're asking the wrong question, she replies. One person took the shot, but do you know how many people gave the order? 
slice. Michaela's head flies clean off her body. Edelgard turns to see Byleth pointing her sword at Hubert's neck. Come with me or he dies. Edelgard's like, you were an assassin before you were a professor, weren't you? And they called you the Ashen Demon. She hurls her axe at Byleth's face and Byleth dodges it. She's about to slit Hubert's throat when Edelgard yells, wait! And then we cut to Fodlin. Rhea is preparing for the holy tomb opening thing that they do, whatever <laughs> it's called, I wrote. It's, isn't it called the goddess birthright or something like that? That the sounds right. Sounds yeah, right. it's something with the, that's, they go down there the and of, yeah, they're trying the to like revive the goddess with Byleth or something. I can't fully, I got lost in the sauce a little bit in the lore there. Yeah. Yeah, I did as well. <laughs> but regardless, it's it's that time. Ray is about to open the tomb with Dimitri and the Blue Lions when the fucking Flame Emperor and the Black Eagles storm in the tomb. <laughs> Rhea's like, you're alive? She was supposed to kill you just like Kennedy. And then the flame emperor removes her mask and Edelgard shows herself to her classmates. And she's like, this leader of the church conspired with the CIA to kill Kennedy because she's scared of the people staging a revolution. And Edelgard's like, I don't fight for the church. I fight for the people. Under me, everyone will be equal. But unfortunately, all the people at the academy are all like lords or like will be lords. They're all like minor right. nobility. They're all they're all rich privileged kids with daddy complexes. Yeah. So they're like, no, like we're good with the caste system. So we're not gonna we're gonna they don't stay back with or... Rhea. Mm. And so Edelgard's like, Alright, it's cool. I brought back up and then Byleth and Hubert appear. They're now on her side. And Rhea's like, Byleth, how could you? You switch sides and Byleth's like, Your reign is over. Benign CIA cover up, etc. etc. And Rhea's like, Well, Edelgard, you teamed up with those who slither in the dark, and Edelgard's like, Not anymore. I made a deal with a different devil. And then Henry Kissinger comes out <laughs> with a bunch of US troops. And then we go into a fight and we cut out because in war, no one wins at the end. And then that's all I have. What's Whoa. fascinating about this, what's fascinating about this, Caroline, is that when you first started and they were going to America, I thought, I thought, okay, like this is a story that's sort of inspired by Three Houses and uses the characters, but maybe doesn't tell the same storyline as Three Houses. But no, they just, it does, it does. It still follows the storyline of Three Houses, but it yeah. just also, it, it also has this fun little adventure in America at the beginning. I was scared for a sec that it was going to be like a fish out of water coming to America thing where they end like up Star in Trek. New York. 
like Star have... Trek Four, the the Voyage Home, where they yeah, the or like oil. yeah, or like Dundee, or just like basically any of those movies where it's just like, where's everyone walking in New York? Uh, hot dogs, <laughs> that kind of. But this is so much more fun. Um, I also thought it was a really interesting choice to make Byleth sort of like an antihero because, like you said, protagonists are usually boring. But with games where you get to make these sort of moral decisions and craft your own way, if you actually look at the decisions they're making, that's kind of an interesting character from far away on just like the morally gray stuff that they have to do in their, you know, intentions. Well, also, like, what's interesting about Byleth is like before the game, like I think in the first chapter, they're like, yeah, like she's known as the Ashen Demon. It's like she's killed more people than like anyone ever. And then like, during the game like her pastimes are like fishing and like giving people stuff right which is just like what do you do with that (laughs) so i felt like i don't know i think it's partially because there's no voice actor that like you just don't feel like there's much of a personality yeah but like i wanted to lean more on the like the this is a ruthless person that like kills people so caroline question for you so you said this, this is what you've got so far right yeah. We want to we want to help you help you come up with with an ending here. Where do you feel like this event of with Henry Kissinger showing up and and the battle in the tomb in the in the two hour film that we've got here? Where do you see that taking place? See the the thing is like it was hard because the Fire Emblem series is just or like the Three Houses game is just like so long. So I long, was like, yeah. Okay, I'll mm. just do this like before the time this is jump. the pre-time jump we can do it yeah Yeah. so this is like right before like Rhea turns into a dragon and then like everything goes to shit and then like Byleth gets like buried for five years and then after the time jump yeah so like maybe you should have on someone else to like we'll do, do a three we, we'll do a fire emblem three houses two maybe it's a two-parter <laughs> movie but this is so this is so this is the climax of the movie right this this scene in the tomb yeah. okay so i have I have a pitch and I was going to maybe I was going to maybe save it for continuity approaching but <laughs> I kind of want him to show up here which is when I think of Smash Brothers franchises and I think of this era of time there's there's really only one other franchise that has an oh. established lore in this yeah. time and I think maybe he could show up alongside Kissinger in the tomb but what if Kissinger brought his best soldier naked snake yeah the 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 father of solid snake who shows up as a character in smash brothers and is is solid snake is a clone of naked snake who basically did a bunch of uh work for the government in vietnam and in korea i think he i think has a lot of potential to be part of this story and like what if you know what if he's tasked with hunting down byleth at first but then when byleth and everyone they switch sides it's like no, they're on the same side here, and they're gonna fight the church together. <laughs> that would make sense too, because if Byleth, how long has Byleth been a professor? Because if she's like an American citizen at some point, like I feel like that's a good opportunity for like Naked Snake to like bring her in on some stuff, and maybe mm. that's how we get her to like the Smash Brothers of it all. Well, wait, yeah, that's a good question. Is Byleth a Fodlin native, or is she from America? Well, I think that's a good because like. I think her backstory is so vague we don't know other than like she's a goddess essentially she's naked snakes long lost sister (laughs) (laughs) 
that would be some Kojima shit. Like he'd do that in, in Metal Gear. Oh, totally. Um, Caroline, I was so wary at first. I was like, where's this going? But I, the more I thought about it, the more I realized like, one, if we're having this grand universe where everything's intersecting with one another, like, look, like Fire Emblem and America, you know what? They exist in the same universe. They are going to have to cross over at some point. Like eventually we are going to have Byleth meeting, you know, Ness from Small Town uh, Eagle Land. So like, it's going to make sense that they they converge. And with, you know, characters like Byleth being of such notoriety, it's like, well, she was a mercenary, like, Maybe she did kill JFK. So I kind of am, I'm really on board with that. And then also your your pitch diverges from the source material, but also it's a source material where there is not one set path. There's no one thing that happens that is canon. So it's like, who's to say that this isn't just as canon as everything else, you know? Yeah, I, I never liked the fact that Edelgard teamed up with those who slither in the dark. And I was like, you know, like, Fire Emblem Three Houses is, like, one of the core themes seems like, I mean, is just about how war just destroys people no matter what side you're on. And Vietnam and, I mean, every every U.S. war, for that matter, destroys people. And what better way to show that than to bring in a war criminal, <laughs> Henry Kissinger? <laughs> I have a pitch. I think. Yeah. So with this tomb, could we like maybe stretch it where like maybe this tomb is like kind of magical? Because what could be fun is when Violet wakes up five years in the future in the games, everything is elevated to a ridiculous degree. People who just might have been rivals in school now just want to fucking kill each other. And it's like kind of mm-hmm. dark. Maybe it could be a thing where like Violet is sort of the last person we see and they kind of like fall into this tomb as like this war rages on and then they wake up in this sort of captain america captain america moment where they wake up and it's like the whole world has changed and now there's like dogs with ducks walking around there's a there's this giant italian plumber like jumping around like it's it's smash brothers when she wakes up that's an interesting pitch pete that 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 smash brothers actually takes place pre-time jump so or like within in between not pre but like in between like the later stuff i would say like so it's five years in the game uh, three houses but maybe it doesn't have to be five years like maybe we can stretch that and just like pay homage to the original game by just having a time jump in general right so that so okay so that would remove the need for a fire emblem three houses two and it right. just right this tells the whole story of like like this is Byleth's origin and we'll meet you know we meet you know the, some of the supporting cast with Edelgard and Hubert um, but then you know she passes out and then she wakes up and yeah there's like Smash Brothers stuff happening like yeah. yeah cause maybe if we establish like those relationships of like one of my favorite parts of the game is sort of Dimitri and Edelgard's relationship cause I think it's really yeah. sad uh, what, it's so sad yeah what culminates from that so maybe we, we keep that where like if we establish early on how they were childhood friends and all that, so that when that battle does happen, one of them kills the other, and it's like maybe like Byleth watching it, and then we sort of go into Byleth's thing of falling in the tomb. Like maybe that's a good way to end that, those character arcs. So your pitch for this film is in the climax in the tomb. Edelgard shows up with, and it's revealed that she has Byleth on her side as well as Henry Kissinger. 
and then and and so so Cloud and Dimitri are down there, and they're still with the church, is what you're saying, Pete, right? Yeah, and maybe maybe like I think all the stuff that you pitch with like Edelgard is really strong. Like maybe whenever we sort of jump back to like them reading the Life magazine back in Fogland, like we really focus on how Dimitri and Cloud are like reacting to this, to this person they know. Uh, and that would sort of, you know, yeah. the character arcs will all kind of clash together a lot more effectively later on. Yeah, again, like the hardest part of adapting this game is just like, all the characters are so great. My favorite character in the game was, I think her is Marianne, Marianne, Marianne. The blue, blue hair girl. And yeah, she's so depressed and she just doesn't show up after the time jump and it's implied she killed herself, which is just like so sad. She's but, not like, after, she's not in the time jump? No. Um, oh. And in one of the supports you see that she, or like, she's like, I wouldn't be alive if it weren't for Byleth, which is kind of crazy. But so I was like really moved by that. And yeah, deep game. Yeah. She's always like praying by the lake, just like sort She's of praying alone. to die. It's That's so like sad. the twist of her character. Yeah, I agree. Those are the people I always try to like invite to lunch. Like her, who's the purple-haired girl who stays in her house? Bernadetta. Yeah, I always like Bernadetta. Bernie. Yeah, I like Bernie. I always like Petra. Petra's one of my favorites. Petra rocks. Yeah. She's and everybody, all the other privileged kids in the fucking Black Eagles, which is the house I chose, and I love the Black Eagles. But all the other fucking privileged kids in Black Eagles give her so much shit for her accent and the fact that she doesn't know the language that well. <laughs> they're so meaner. Petra's hot like, balls. They're like, about Petra. Uh, don't you mean? Yeah, Petra is also post post time jump. Petra, very hot. What did you guys think of of the? Of the Dimitri eye patch post time jump, that's like never. I mean, I was waiting for him to be like, "Oh yeah, I got this eye patch," and then it's never acknowledged. It's just such a trope. Like I enjoy it every time, uh, but <laughs> I thought it was really funny. <laughs> post time jump cloud is just a little fucker. He just cloud is no, when you shit. when you S- I picked him to S support, and I he was like he was like, "Yeah, I really like you." But like we can't get married. I gotta go Whoa. to this other <laughs> He rejects you. <laughs> I was like, I spent this entire game like bringing oh. you flowers and shit, and you won't even marry me. <laughs> I S ranked Edelgard, which which was satisfying enough. She's very currently S ranking Man- Manuela, just because that's just hard my type. Like, come on. Uh, <laughs> of course you are. I w- I was be- I was torn between Edelgard and Dorothea. Dorothea's hot. Well, I'm glad we can just share this. (laughs) (laughs) Pete, do you have final questions before we move into continuity? No, I mean, we've already kind of moved into it. Yeah, that's true. So we might as well just press the Mm -hmm. button. I wish I knew more about the Metal Gear franchise because I feel like I would have more to say about what, like, the Metal Gear project, what part it had to play in terms of the JFK assassination and like Henry Kessinger, but I don't know any What's metal. I don't even know what metal. So Gear metal is. gear is, have you ever played smash brothers, smash brothers with us? At all? I think the only time I've played smash brothers in my life was when you handed me a remote control once. I don't That tracks. Know. Okay. So there's this guy. So fire emblem, pretty complicated metal gear, solid, this other game series by this auteur video game director named Kojima. 
super complicated. And it's way about more this complicated. Guy named Snake. And he's like this sort of government agent person. And he's like really sexy. He's kind of got like a, I'd say he's a video game sex symbol. Huh? He doesn't look like a snake. He kind of looks like, uh, I'd say he kind of has like a Clint Eastwood vibe. He looks like, um, he's, I think he's modeled after Snake Plissken from Escape from New York. Um, yeah, who's played by Kurt Russell? Kurt, yeah, he lo- yeah. he does look like peak like action hero Kurt Russell, I'd say. But yeah. anyway, the games are super complicated because like he's cloned a bunch of times, and there's a bunch of government conspiracies like ranging like I'd say like sixty years, and all these games are like non-linear, yeah. so they they all take place at different parts. Right. But, the earliest game takes place I think in like 1963 or five, and then the yeah. latest game takes place in like 2040 something. Yeah. Yeah, but. Anyway, he would just be really good to have if we're doing like a government conspiracy thing. He just kind of has to show up, pretty much. Yeah, if we're talking about um, cool. if we're talking about U.S. government conspiracies, Snake's got to be there. It'd be kind of a funny running gag if like any time, every time like Edelgard and Hubert are just walking around Dallas and they run into Byleth, Snake is also naked, specifically naked Snake, not Solid Snake, because Solid Snake has not come into being yet in the '60s, I think. I, it's naked. Is he naked? No, 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 no. That's no. just it's his just, code name. Just yeah, his code just name. Code name. Uh, um, they're all kind of sexual. Uh, there's yeah. code names for naked snake, solid snake, and uh, liquid snake. Liquid snake. That's right. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but naked snake is the original snake, and he's also known by the name Big Boss. Yes. Um, after he he breaks bad at some point after his involvement in Vietnam, and he becomes Big Boss instead of Naked Snake. Yeah, and you have to um, fight him as Solid Snake. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think it'd be fun if, like, maybe... So, Caroline, one of the signature things of Snake that's kind of silly but fun and we love it is it's a stealth game, all of his games. And the way you stealth is he carries around this box. He hides the cardboard box and like mm-hmm. to walk by the cardboard box. And, uh, so it's sort of a, when you see a cardboard box in Smash Brothers related stuff, you know Snake is hiding in the box. So that might be a thing just to have in different scenes. Maybe in the Zapruder, we edit in a cardboard box. Like, Ooh, <laughs> wait, that's so funny. Wait, what if he'd like, what if that's the big Captain America picking up Thor's hammer moment where we don't see Naked Snake at all in the movie. We just like, as they're walking around Dallas, they just see like occasionally a cardboard box sitting around and they never comment on it. But then all of a sudden when they're in the tomb, (laughs) out of the box (laughs) comes Snake. With his theme? Yeah. Yeah. Or Kissinger in the, yeah, in the tomb, Kissinger is like, I'm calling in my expert. And then, (laughs) bum, 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 bum. Bum, that bum, would get bum. that would get such a cheer in the theater. Yeah, uh, people would fucking go nuts. That'd be yeah. good. Yeah. Okay, that's what's happening. That's what that's what happens. And then, Caroline, I have a question. In the in the climax of your movie, how bad is Rhea going to break? How much does she break bad? Like, is she going full dragon? Yeah. I mean, like you've played like the end of Edelgard's mm-hmm. like yeah story so like Rhea goes crazy yeah (laughs) like I want Rhea to be like that psycho in this I Um, think so I think that's a good I think that's a good direction it's Byla switching sides that like triggers Rhea so much yeah so I think I think that's I think that's a good idea so I think like if in the tomb she goes full dragon she's like berserk and then if Snake is the one that saves Byleth who are we? Did we say Edelgard or Dimitri gets killed in in 
their fight. Up to Caroline, I think. Up to that's up to Caroline. It's important to me that Aelgard live to like defeat Henry Kissinger. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> like a little bit. Like he can't die, obviously, because he's got like other crimes to commit. But so like, we'll we'll come back to Edelgard, but I think maybe Edelgard has to tragically kill Dimitri in this yeah. climax. Yeah, I always thought um, that was or at more... least or at least appear as if she. I mean, he could maybe come back with his eye patch, but if it looks like she killed him, and then like Rhea's going full scorched earth, and like Snake pushes Violet out of the way, and then that's where she like passes out. She falls off like a cliff, right? And the game? I think so. I can't really remember. I just remember like she wakes up and there's a dude and she's like, what year is it? <laughs> yeah, she wakes up in like the village that's been scorched. And she, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe they're like, on, well, they're in the tomb. So maybe there's just like a hole in the tomb that like leads out to the river or something and Snake pushes her down that or something. But Snake saves her, I think. Because yeah. that, that way, that gives Byleth a good relationship with someone else who's in the Super Smash Bros that we can play with when she does eventually show up. And then maybe Edelgard's like about to get Henry Kissinger and Snake grabs him and they escape. Yeah. Before yeah. That could be Cause, cool. Cause, cause, well, this is Naked Snake. This isn't even Solid Snake. So I can't really say Naked Snake's got a heart of gold. I don't, I've There's- never played Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. So I don't know much about Naked Snake, but he's, I think my understanding of both snakes is that their their shills for their governments. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a, you. You need to have a heart of gold to save Henry Kissinger from peril. I would say like. I was gonna say. Like, I was gonna say because he's a government shill, he saves Henry Kissinger despite his heart of gold, not because of it. Uh, yeah. Is Henry <laughs> yeah. Kissinger like there? Like he's there, or did he just deploy stuff? He's there. That's so <laughs> funny. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> See Simon, do you have any more points that we should hit? No, I'm actually I'm actually really happy with where we've left this movie. I think I think it's it's such a it's such an interesting way to take Fire Emblem Three Houses, and I think it sets up yeah. a lot of potential for where we're gonna go with some of these. This is characters. pretty dope. When Violet wakes up, dope. who should be the first? What's what's the first thing she sees? That's a good that's a good question. And Pete. where did she wake up? Is she? It'd be kind of funny if she didn't wake up, like took the Captain America route of her, like she wakes up in, I mean, not New York, but she doesn't wake up in, in uh, Odeland. So my pitch for that is we started this talking about how love is a battlefield. Well, one of the most iconic stages in Smash Brothers is called Battlefield. And it's not from any game. It's just from Smash Brothers. And it's like, just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a bunch of ruined land from all these hard fought wars. So I think that that area would be a really great place for her to wake yeah. up because we all instantly recognize it. And I think it should be Donkey Kong staring over her. Like it should definitely be Donkey Kong. Yeah, I think I think she wakes up and Donkey Kong is just like, <laughs> he's like this close to the camera, just staring <laughs> at her. One thing that I kind of wish I had included in my in my treatment and I didn't have time to fit it in. I was like gonna put in like a subplot of like Hubert's in love with Edelgard, but Edelgard's in love with Byleth. Because like no matter, even if you're in a different house in the game, Edelgard like aggressively hits on you right. if you're Byleth. I think we can and have that. I think I think we can, because Edelgard can come. it would give her another like kind of goal. If like, mm-hmm. she's like, where's Edelgard? What happened to her? Right. Like I got and, fine. I gotta get back to her again. Edelgard technically does appear in Smash Brothers Ultimate 
on, she's in the background on the Garrick Mock Monastery stage. Right. All those characters um, do. So I think there's we. I'd have no problem having like all, any of these characters could be supporting characters in a Super Smash Brothers movie yeah. that and you know. So I think we could further flesh out their relationship in that for sure. Yeah. Question during that dream sequence when the, I think it's when she takes LSD. <laughs> who is she like romancing in the tower? Are, are is it just for mm. us to like fill in with their mind or did you have someone? It was gonna be Violet, but like I was like, should I? Sp- oh. I was having with that but then i was like do we will i spoil it if it's violet because like i didn't want to reveal who killed i think we could i think we could i think you can have it be violet and just have it teased there without outright spoiling it you know yeah yeah I'm like ready to to watch this film. Yeah, I I I think this is dope. Um, this, I actually think Fire Emblem now has the potential to be sort of like the X Men of our franchise, where <laughs> it's just like kind of all over the place when it comes to timeline and just so many. Well, characters. because well, right, because each Fire Emblem game has completely unique characters and completely right. unique settings. So there are like a billion more fire emblem games that we're going to have to cover because each of them has like a character in smash brothers and none of them have to be tied together because they all take place in completely different places exactly different characters so a lot of potential there for sure well thank you caroline this was an absolute blast having you on it was a real roller coaster ride and I'm, i'm so happy with with where it took us i think conservative media is gonna have a field day with this even if they don't understand your stance i i think this is a movie for everyone and thank you so much i i didn't make this for i know you didn't but they're gonna they're gonna latch onto it i would argue that conservative media will be aggressively against this no no i think joe rogan lesbians i think joe rogan's gonna invite you onto this uh, invite you onto his podcast and just like explain like why it means so much to like if Joe Rogan invited me onto his <laughs> podcast I would kill him <laughs> <laughs> hey thank you so much for listening as always none of this would be possible without some awesome remixes by some very talented very underappreciated musicians here are their credits so you can listen to them without us talking over it the team players did the Fire Emblem main theme acoustic cover JJJJ Ford did Chasing Daybreak, the relaxing cover. The Fire Emblem Three Houses Edge of Dawn Amelie version comes from Lee and Lee. No Tube for Me did the Michael Jackson Smooth Criminal NES remake. F.G did the Fire Emblem Three Houses Fodland Winds Rain and Thunder acoustic guitar solo. Isra Cello did the Fire Emblem Three Houses main theme cello cover. The Credence Clearwater Revival Bad Moon Rising 8-bit cover comes from 8-bit renditions. The Fire Emblem Three Houses Apex of the World cover comes from Lacey Johnson Music. Citron Odysseus did the Blue Skies in a Battle Between Heaven and Earth premium arrangement. Saluna Piano did the Dwelling of the Ancient Gods piano cover. The Fire Emblem Three Houses God Shattering Star metal cover comes from Family Jewels and features Joe Zieja, who, fun fact, is actually the voice of Claude in Fire Emblem Three Houses. Whoa, cool. Citrin Odysseus also did the Life in Garrig Mac Monastery premium arrangement. Sir Teclis did the Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater piano cover. FG did the Fire Emblem Three Houses Tearing Through Heaven acoustic guitar solo. And finally, Citron Odysseus also gave us the Fire Emblem theme 
Flower of Enchantment session. And as always, the sound effects come from the Super Smash Brothers series, the Fire Emblem series, freesound.org, and soundsnap.com. As usual, find us on Facebook at Mizan Smash Pod and at Twitter at Mizan Smash Pod. And you can find us at our personal Twitters at Simon Lewisong and at P. Simmons Hayes. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and check back next week for another installment in the Super Smash Brothers Cinematic Universe. We'll see you then.